since her first supposed haunting in 1970, this allegedly evil doll has been blamed for demonic possession, a slew of violent attacks, and at least two near-death experiences. In recent years, the true stories of Annabelle have even inspired a series of horror films. But just how much of Annabelle's story is real? Is the real Annabelle doll truly a vessel for a demonic spirit in search of a human host? Or is she simply a child's toy used as a prop for wildly profitable ghost stories? This week we are looking at the infamous Annabelle the doll. I'm Renata Daniel. And I'm Anne Rekovich. And we welcome you to True Hauntings. Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the center of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow, forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings. Today, the infamous Annabelle. During the six weeks the doll Annabelle was in the apartment, Lou started experiencing recurring nightmares. One dream in particular confirmed his dislikes and fears about Annabelle. After falling into a very deep sleep, Lou had what could be called an out-of-body experience. He remembered seeing himself wake up and feeling like something was terribly, terribly wrong. He looked around the room in his dream state and everything seemed normal. But then he saw it. At the foot of his bed was the Annabelle doll and it was moving toward him. Fear washed over him as he watched Annabelle glide up his body, move over his chest and finally stop at his neck. The doll moved its arms out to either side of Lou's neck and started to strangle him. Lou thrashed and writhed in agony as he tried to push the doll away, but it was like trying to push away a concrete wall. The cloth raggedy Anne doll simply wouldn't budge. Lou struggled until he finally passed out. The next morning, the doll was gone. And other than a horrifying memory, there was no evidence that anything out of the ordinary had occurred. Lou was certain that what he experienced had not been a dream, and it only made him more adamant to convince Donna to get rid of Annabelle. It seemed to make Annabelle's resolve stronger, too. Shortly after the dream incident... Lou was at the women's apartment going over some last-minute details with Angie regarding a trip he was taking in the morning. It was about 11pm when the two of them heard noises coming from Donna's room. Maybe someone had broken in, they thought. Lou crept towards the closed bedroom door and waited until the noises stopped and then threw the door open and turned on the light. No one was there, except for Annabelle, and she was laying haphazardly in a corner. Lou walked into the room for a closer look at things when he suddenly had the distinct feeling that someone was behind him. He turned and then doubled over in pain as something hot and sharp cut across his torso. Hearing his yells, Angie ran in and saw him clutching his chest, his shirt torn and blood running through his fingers. She guided him back to the living room and inspected Lou's wounds. She couldn't believe her eyes. Claw marks. 
three vertical and four horizontal were scratched across Lou's chest as clear as day. Annabelle had finally drawn blood. Uh, let's get one thing straight right from the very beginning. Oh, geez, we've got a warning to start with. <laughs> okay. Yes, don't let Annabelle out of her glass cabinet. Oh, ever. no. No, never touch Annabelle. Ever. But the Annabelle we are talking about is very different from the Annabelle that I bought this afternoon. And <gasps> Have you got the real Annabelle? <laughs> I do. Oh, you and a thousand million <laughs> I other know, people. right? But mine's special. Of course it's special, (laughs) Renata. Of course it is. It's very different to the Annabelle that we see in the Conjuring movies and that's the Annabelle that I've got. Oh, so you got the Raggedy Ann doll. No, no, no. I've got the the porcelain. Yes, I've got the porcelain one. Is she a big one or a little one? No, she's kind of, no, she's small, thank God. I don't think I could have driven anywhere with a real size Annabelle. They do sell them, though. They do because Sylvia's got one. And they're like $10,000 or something. They're not cheap. (laughs) Wow. Oh, dear. But there's a lot of artwork gone into them. Oh, yes, of course. It would take a lot to create one, and I don't don't begrudge the price at all, but goodness gracious, you'd have to have a true love of Annabelle, (laughs) which I don't. Dolls. (laughs) We know that Christy, our PA, just loves dolls. Mm, Yes. So when the warning on the case says positively do not open, I wonder whether we could just actually use that for this podcast episode. Positively, do not open this podcast episode. (laughs) We may get haters. (laughs) You may find out things about Annabelle that you didn't know before. So let's go back to the very beginning, and it is the 1970s, allegedly. Okay, I'm going to put allegedly in front of everything here. Wasn't it the 70s that you got your seniors card? (laughs) came really quickly. You came in really quickly with that one in the first five minutes of my segment. Thank you so much. Oh, I don't have to worry about it anymore. Oh, don't you worry about that. <laughs> and we're dealing with a young girl called Donna or Deidre, depending on where the story oh, is. Oh. So apparently in some stories she's actually called Deidre. Oh, I didn't know that. But let's go with Donna because I think that's yeah. that's the, the main name. And she's just about to turn 28. Her, so her mother decides that wouldn't it be a wonderful idea to get a doll for, for her, for her 28-year-old year Now, look, don't laugh because I know that Veronica and Sophia collect dolls and they're, they're, they're around the same age, or one of them is, and they love their dolls. So don't you go picking on them. No, of course they do. It's a little bit different. Love- they do have a humongous do. doll museum at, at Monte Cristo. Junie, go check it out. It's pretty bloody creepy. There's so that's kind of, oh, you should go see the nun, nun that's there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you will never sleep again. We'll have to put a photo up of that. Oh, but yes, of course, yes. But what she gets is the Raggedy Ann doll, the one that is safely in the cabinet. And I used to love those stories, the the Raggedy Ann and Raggedy Andy. Mm -hmm. My parents used to read me those bedtime stories all the time and they were beautiful, along with Holly Hobby. Do you remember Holly Hobby? I'm sure those, they're not politically correct anymore, either of those. No, they're not. But, I mean, I remember Raspberry Shortcake. Don't forget that as well. (laughs) Oh, we're going down a rabbit hole now. (laughs) Oh, we are. Let's not go there. Or our listeners will have to pour a drink before we get any further. do it anyway. But Donna got this present, you see, and she actually loved the doll. The thing, though, was that she did not live alone. She had a roommate, a buddy that was living uh, with her in their rental. Hmm, Angie. Angie. And the problem was that Donna would sit this doll in the bedroom or mm-hmm. in her bedroom, mm-hmm. I'm assuming. I'm assuming they didn't oh, have in the Angie's same... bedroom? No, in her bedroom, in Donna's bedroom. Right. I'm assuming they didn't have the same bedroom, but they were nurses. Yep. So they would be in and out all the time and it wouldn't surprise me if there was one of them asleep and the other was at work and vice versa. Yeah, she'd work all and all time. that. Yeah, so. so everything seemed to be okay to begin with, and the doll in all the time that it was there was only there for six weeks. 
So the whole drama lasted six weeks, but the weird stuff started to happen literally within days of the doll being there, Mm. which is really strange. She was from a thrift shop or was she from a... They call it a hobby store, so I don't Mm. know whether it was... Maybe maybe some of our uh, American listeners might be able to clarify what the hobby store is. Mm. She certainly does look new. She didn't look like she had been not 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 a used doll. A used doll. Like nobody would have one of my used teddy bears because I used to put them up to my nose and rub them on the, my nose and suck my fingers at the same time. <laughs> so it would have been drool all over mine. So the thing that started to happen and what started to become very strange was that the doll would be placed in one position before Donna left for work, and when she would come home, she would find the doll in a slightly different position. So the arms might be crossed or the legs might be crossed, but she didn't leave the doll in that position, Mm. which was really weird. And so she would tell her roommate about this and then they started testing the doll and they would actually take note of how they left the doll and then when they came back from work they would see that the doll was in fact not only in a different position, but sometimes in different places around the bedroom. Oh, that's so creepy. That was really weird. But Angie had a boyfriend. All right. Lou. And the moment Lou came into the rental and saw that doll, he decided he did not like it. So a grown man didn't like the doll. Well, you know, a little bit weird. Yeah. Yeah. Things seemed to escalate once Lou had said that he really didn't like the doll at all. And once again, this is all just over a six-week period. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. So these weird things started to happen within the first few weeks. Just like Amityville was only over four weeks, mm. four to five weeks. The next thing that they discovered were little pieces of paper left around with notes on them. Ah. And they were on parchment paper, which was not to be found anywhere in the rental property. So they didn't have parchment paper and they didn't have crayons or pencils that were used to scribe these notes. Mm -hmm. But guess what was written on the notes? What? Please tell me. Help us (gasps) and help Lou. Oh. That's a bit weird. So, of course, this made the women specifically very, very uneasy. But there's nothing there that is actually spooky sounding apart from help us, help Lou. Yeah, but you've got these two women living. Oh, it's the 70s as well. Yeah, mostly by themselves in a flat. Mm-hmm. They're in and out from the hospital. Mm-hmm. They're probably sleep deprived. They're probably, you know, not eating properly. All the, all the things that young people do when they're trying to scrape by when they're working and they're that young. So they kind of begin to think that possibly someone's breaking in. Mm-hmm. And so they're starting to look around for scratch marks and maybe, you know, indentations in the window of some, someone trying to get in or the door or whatever. Unless they're being logical about it. Yeah. And so they're, they're, they're getting, they're getting really, really upset. And then they think, well, maybe someone's playing a prank on them. Yeah. Now, that, that would be an awful thing to do. And that's what comes to my mind straight away is somebody playing a prank on them. Yes. Yeah. Now, One night they come back from work and they find the doll back on Donna's bed where it belongs, but, so this is is kind of the third thing that happens, but when they really take a good look at the doll, they find that the doll has what looks like red markings on it. (gasps) Blood. And they think that it's blood. And so the blood is on or the red markings are on its hand and there are three little drops of blood on its chest. Mm. So now they're really getting upset about all of this. So they, they call in a medium. Not an extra large, a medium. A medium. And the medium comes into the building, sits down, and tells the girls that the name of the spirit that is working through the doll is 
Annabelle Higgins. And Annabelle Higgins died on the property just after it was built. And she goes on to say that Annabelle is still there in spirit form and she's chosen to be with the girls because they understand what this spirit feels like. She's feeling really happy because the girls are in and out, things are happening, they're really empathic girls, Donna and Angie, both being nurses, and so this spirit feels content to be there. That's what Annabelle tells them through the medium anyway. Well, that sounds okay. Mm -hmm. So after that, they refer to the doll as Annabelle. Now, it doesn't really say, or the stories that I have read don't tell me whether the medium came back or whether anything else was told to them about the doll, just that the doll likes being there and there's a spirit that lives in the doll and which is really interesting. Okay, let's look at it this way. So when mum buys the doll, she buys it from a thrift store or a, a hobby, hobby store. store. Yep. It's got nothing to do with the building. So the spirit hasn't come with the doll. No. The spirit enters the doll mm. once it is in the apartment or the, the rental that mm-hmm. the girls mm-hmm. have. So this this is interesting. And I've got notes on that about mm-hmm. what certain investigators said about that too. Mm-hmm. Let's not go there yet. (laughs) So the doll is called Annabelle and now, you know, all happy families, everything's fine, but still Angie's boyfriend, fiancé Lou, doesn't like this doll. And it's got to be all about Lou. Mm -hmm. Lou falls asleep in the apartment. Yes, and that's what our soundscape is. Mm -hmm. Mm. And he suddenly wakes up to feel that there is something terribly wrong. And when he looks around, he sees that the room looks normal, everything's fine, but at the foot of the bed is the Annabelle doll staring at him. Now, I don't know at this point in time whether I would be hysterically laughing or so afraid that I would poop my pants (laughs) because there is a Raggedy Ann doll staring with her beady eyes. But it gets worse, right? It gets worse because the Raggedy Ann doll doesn't stay down at the end of the bed. Oh, no. It starts to climb up onto Lou. It's climbing up his body in bed. Up to his neck and goes, hello, Lou. Are you in the mood? It's hands around his neck. Thank you for putting neck. I was getting worried there. And starts to choke it. Him. Starts to choke him. My goodness gracious oh, me. Oh, dear Renata, I wish you'd finish, I wish you'd finish sentences quicker. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. I'm sorry, listeners. I apologise profusely. We don't want to know what choking it means for some people. Just keep going, Renata. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of True Hauntings, brought to you by the Giggling Gerties. And anyway, he tries to pull this horrid doll off him and the more he pulls, the harder it gets. I had to finish it. I I didn't mean that. It came out naturally. This is serious. Stop talking. (laughs) Serious. Anyway. Well, listen back to that later and we'll laugh. It'll all be good. I hope you're all laughing with us. Sometimes you just get some words a little muddled and it just comes out really wrong. No, that was fabulous, Renata. Thank you for the laugh. I've cleared all my lungs out now. So after all of this and he ends up throwing the doll off his chest and um, across uh, into a wall, he sort of comes to, as it were, <clears throat> out of his fright and he thinks, well, maybe it was a dream. You know, maybe, maybe. he had hallucinated it. Maybe maybe. <laughs> maybe it was an out-of-body experience, but it was about 11 o'clock at night on this particular instance. And, of course, then at that stage, Donna and Angie come home from work. And so he retells the story. 
Did they laugh as much as we just did? (laughs) (laughs) No. He feels that there's some heat under his T-shirt and so they look under his T-shirt and they see claw marks on his chest, three vertical and four horizontal, as you said. Did they want to play tic-tac-toe or something Mm. on him? And these had been scratched into his chest, obviously, while Annabelle the doll was up upon him. And, of course, he swears black and blue that he had never done, you know, he wouldn't have done this to himself. There's no reason why um, they shouldn't trust him, all of this sort of stuff. And so they call in uh, a priest, Father Lawrence. Of course. And so Father Lawrence comes along. He listens to everything that has been said about Annabelle. Does he Annabelle. get choked by Annabelle as well? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's not go there. And, <laughs> and so they tell him about Annabelle moving around, all the strange messages on the parchment, the spirit contact with the medium, and then lose cuts on his body. And, of course, he believes all of them because they're is absolutely no reason why he shouldn't other than to look at Annabelle the doll and go, okay, that's a little bit weird. So he was the first person to really go, there is something untoward going on here. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they've, they're worried about Lou who's had the dream and it's all of a sudden got these scratches, but it's mm-hmm. the priest that's raised the red flag, mm-hmm. so to speak. Now, I don't know why and how Father Lawrence gets onto Ed and Lorraine Warren, but he does. Yep. So whether they're living in the same township or whether they know of each other. Maybe or, the same neighbourhood. Or whether there's something strange <laughs> in your neighbourhood. Uh, or whether call? the demonologists have done a really good job at advertising. But he calls them in and, of course, the Warrens accept the case. Of course. They meet Donna, Angie and Lou and it doesn't take long for the Warrens to, to conclude that, yes, there is a spirit in the doll. Let me guess. It's a demon. It is. It's something un- inhuman. Of course. And it is demonic. Of course. Now, even though the little girl has been named Annabelle Higgins, they say that it is impossible for a spirit to inhabit. Okay, you just take all my notes. You go for it. An inanimate object <laughs> like a doll mm-hmm. and the only thing that can be and to do this sort of thing must be something unnatural. Mm -hmm. So they start to look around, get some more information. They recommend that an exorcism is done and that a priest is called in and they call Father Edward in. So this is another priest, Father Edward. The Warrens explain what's going on. And let me guess, did the exorcism work? No. Mm. No. And yet no. again, we, we've many cases we've looked at now, they'll do an exorcism on something and it doesn't work. But Father Edward really believes everything that the Warrens are saying. Of course. And you know, he, he says stuff like this is the nature of inhuman spirit. It's negative. It enjoys fl- inflicting pain. And to make matters worse, the women called in a medium, which allegedly Father Edward would kind of think that the medium awoke the spirit. Oh, let's, oh, we're going to blame the medium. Yeah, the medium. The medium was of the, the, you know, the the connection, the battery that made this spirit in this doll awake. Well, I mean, the, she did give it a name. Yes, and then she once did. you give something a name and you start to call it by that name, you almost imbue it with energy. Mm-hmm. But it's what you put into it. Yes. So are they putting good stuff into it, which is what they were doing at first, putting all good stuff into it, loving it, being empathetic towards it? And it was only Lou that had the negativity towards the doll and it was Lou that got the scratches. Mm -hmm. So whatever he's putting into it, he's getting back. Long story short, Ed and Lorraine Warren decide to take the doll away and so ends the drama for Donna, Angie and Lou. And they then, on the way back from the apartment, from Mm -hmm. from the rental, in their car, have an almost very, very bad accident where the brakes fail. Yeah. And one of the stories says that Ed 
pulls over and douses the doll with holy water Mm -hmm. and does a quickie exorcism on it and apparently everything calms down just enough for them to get the doll in and lock it away somewhere. Yeah. And who was witness to all of that? Possibly no one. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, boy. Mm. So that's kind of the the original story of it all. Of course, as time has progressed and Annabelle has been seen for many years inside a glass cabinet in the Warren Museum, many, many stories have come through because of that one incident. And um, before you get on to sort of the ghost stories, of course, there is another story of one young gentleman that comes into the museum and starts to bang on the glass cabinet. Okay, yep, go for it. That's and all my notes done. No, no, <laughs> just, just very quickly. And, yeah, whatever happens to him, I'll let you oh, say that. Bless you, Renata, for um, looking at the history of the doll <laughs> and not reporting on all the paranormal phenomena. <laughs> um, so she's now in a special cabinet in the... Warren Museum. That's where that's where we we've dropped it off, where we've finished off. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if say you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Maybe take a nap, read a book, or just show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However, there are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com P60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash P60. It's time to take control of your life. Dave's here rooting you on, and if I can do this, you can do this. Let's do this together. BetterHelp.com slash P60. There's a link for it on today's program guide. So I'm going to be looking more at the question marks around Annabelle and the actual haunting and the story. I would like to read a quote for you from Lloyd Orbach, who I just love to death. Very logical, funny, educated man who is a parapsychologist. He has a degree in psychology and has done the extra unit as the parapsychology, which just means other, other psychology. The Warrens also have called themselves parapsychologists and again have included some of the occultish overtones in their definition of what they do. They are more properly demonologists since they seem to be fighting their main battle not against our general ignorance about the nature of psychic phenomena, but against the influence of Satan and other demonic agencies. Now, that's from his book, ESP Hauntings and Poltergeists. It's a chapter on the Amateurville. So I strongly advise reading that book. It is amazing. Now, in a little bit more reading, I did find the quote where they say they are demonologists and it said they are self-proclaimed demonologists. So that doesn't mean they've gone and done their weekend course or anything like that. They just have said, we are demonologists and that's it. And you have to go with their, their word on that. The gorgeous Lorraine is a light trance medium. So she goes into a light trance and will tell you what is happening. But there is actual no proof as to what she is saying. 
And then the, the whole movie has come out as well. Now, the movie itself is completely different. It's a, almost a different storyline to what actually happened. Absolutely. Absolutely. They, they have layered things on thick. And you know why? Because I think once the doll was placed into the cabinet at the Warren Museum, Nothing else happened. Mm. And look, one of the biggest issues with this one is that there is really no information about this haunting apart from what the Warrens have told mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And, and for me as an investigator, that's really frustrating. There's no other documented information about it apart. And I, I can't even find out who the original psychic medium was who, mm. who gave them information. I was trying to dig down and find it. Can't find anything mm. on it anywhere. There's no information about the priest that came mm-hmm. either. So there's no documented information about that. There's even no documented information with regard to the original haunting either mm. as far as I know. That's one good thing about Hans Holzer is he documented things really well so you could go back and and have a good look at what's happened. There's also the story, which you alluded to, that Ed would tell, Ed Warren, at the museum, because they've got Annabelle in this big glass case with definitely do not touch or something written all over it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he would tell the story, the last man to mock Annabelle ended up dying in a motorcycle crash. However, there are no names or evidence. They said the girl survived, his girlfriend that was with him. Don't know who she is. Mm. There, there is no proof whatsoever apart from what we're being told by the Warrens. And I also want to just address a couple of the phenomena that's happening within the house. So we know that Lou does not like the doll. Do you think that possibly he could be mucking with the girls and moving the doll around as a bit of a joke? He could. It would be an awful thing to do. Oh, I don't think it'd be awful. It's something I'd do. I but, think it's absolutely hilarious, but I would own up to it eventually. Yeah, yeah. So did he, he He get to a point where it just became so out of hand, especially when they bought in... A bit like Amateurville. Um, yeah, that <laughs> he had to sort of ramp it up to the next level and that's where he concocted this story of having this attack mm-hmm. of the doll with the scratching. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it would be quite possible to do it to yourself. It could be real. We don't know. We mm-hmm. weren't there. We only have this story that has been repeated over and over because you know what it's like when researching. You just mm-hmm. keep finding the same stories over and over and it drives you insane. Now, I wonder whether the Warrens actually did a documentation of this because I know when I was reading that on the night that The Conjuring came out, Lorraine Warren was giving a talk about the original Annabelle doll to Mm -hmm. a group of people Mm -hmm. and she was talking about her beliefs and how she was raised in a very, very strict Catholic family Mm -hmm. and how she really believed that there are really awful demonic forces in the in the world and her job one of her main jobs is to deal and with these demonic forces and to rid the world of them and that they had done over 10,000 cases isn't that insane 10,000 cases my goodness their files would be enormous wouldn't it be wonderful to get a handle on those files to see them yep Now, there was also some contradictions about who Annabelle was. Now, I believe when you were telling me the notes, you said that her body was found on their property where the the house were built. Well, there is another story that is told by Ed, and they've got a video of this, where he said that Annabelle died in an automobile accident outside Donna and Angie's apartment and that Annabelle was six not seven. I mm-hmm. mean, that's that's neither here nor there. He also says the Raggedy Ann doll was given to Donna by her mother as a Christmas present, mm-hmm. not a birthday present. Mm-hmm. And it's when you get contradictions like this in a story, it makes you start to doubt. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the movie tells a third story and it is about a satanic cult yeah, that the, actually breaks in yeah, to the, the apartment. The reason why they did that was to show how the spirit came 
to possess the doll because they, as you said before, it was just a doll Mm -hmm. and this child spirit has found it and become attached to it, not Mm -hmm. possessed it, whereas in the movie they wanted to show it was possessed. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that's how, that's why they did what they did there. And and another thing which I found in the notes in regards to Lou is those scratches that he had in his chest that were supposedly bleeding everywhere Mm -hmm. healed up. And we're gone in two days. Oh, okay. Miraculous. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm looking at this Lou character. If the girls have imbued this doll with their essence and their beliefs and their energy, creating a haunted object, which which can happen because if people have a fear of something, they can channel all their fear into a doll and make it a haunted doll, mm-hmm. make it a scary haunted doll because mm-hmm. that's what their subconscious believes. Mm-hmm. These girls are believing this doll is a lovely spirit who just needs friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe the doll was protecting them from Lou. Maybe. That's just a little thought that popped into it, into into the mind. And they were nurses. Is it possible that the little blood droplets that were found on Annabelle may have been from work? Who knows? I would say not because it, blood tends to dry up pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. It would have had to have been on plastic or or something that it was still but lingering. But it was an assumption that it was blood. This is true. They, they said it was red. So some stories will say that it was a red substance and so the assumption is made that it's blood. Now, I also found an article written by James Hennessy in 2019 and it's called I Met the Very Real and Extremely Cursed Annabelle in Connecticut. And he talks about how he was invited to the Warrens Occult Museum where Annabelle is housed as a guest of Warner Brothers. And his friends were very concerned that he was going to go and, and meet Annabelle and said, you know, don't go and that he would bring back an evil spirit with them. But he he went out and had a look anyway. So this is his description of how he saw it. Situated out the back of the Warrens' house, it certainly has a sinister quality. We arrive past ten at night, inching down the long, pitch-black driveway which leads to the rear of the property, where we are greeted with a ramshackle little building bathed in red light. Strip lighting from a hardware store... Probably, but it's atmospheric, a bit of pageantry regardless, and I, for one, appreciate it. So they've dressed it up in red light mm. to make it look nice and scary. Yeah. I mean, we do that too in the tours. We like to use the red light. That's because true. Apart from the fact it makes great photos, it also helps you not lose your night vision. True, true. So this is where Annabelle lives, and after a quick mandatory blessing by a deacon from the local Catholic church ensuring that I do not, by my ignorance, become a vessel for evil spirits during my visit, we enter the museum. Do you know that someone from the Catholic Church allegedly came every two weeks to put a blessing on the property there? No. Yes. Allegedly. Oh, yeah. my heavens. They used, to, they used to get a priest in every every two weeks, I think, to now, do a t- blessing. Yeah, Tony Spiro is now looking after the house because the Warrens have passed, and mm-hmm. I don't like to speak Ill, Ill of the dead, but mm-hmm. all we can do is give you the information we are finding. And Tony seems like a lovely guy, but he said that every item in this museum has a story, and he will happily tell you every single one of them. I remember another description somewhere where they said it looked like the dollar store with all the, the, the tacky little things that are in there that are haunted. He tells the tale of the New England witch doll, which has the power to hurt you, to destroy you, to kill you. He goes on at length about how Ed Warren came to possess a genuinely frightening-looking statue he identifies as a satanic idol. Mm -hmm. And there's everything there from dusty books to Halloween masks to plaster skulls. They've all had some sort of supernatural presence attached to them. Even a normal-looking plastic dinosaur toy that is supposedly the centre of a demonic possession case. Oh, dear. There's a a, a chunk of brick there, which has come from the Borley Rectory, Mm -hmm. which was the most haunted house in England, which we will be covering on True Hauntings. We might do that as a special. But then there's Annabelle right up the back. And he tells them about the story about the student nurses and all of that. And the little parchment note is there which says, help me. And the Warrens, of course, claim that it was demonically possessed. Mm-hmm. And, they, I mean, they, it, it's not anything that is hidden away either because there are also photos of the doll and there is a tarot card attached to the cabinet and it's the tarot card of the devil, which is you know, kind of a little bit weird. It's also a misunderstanding of what the tarot of the devil is in yeah, the tarot. Yeah, Completely. but it's just, it's just 
Yeah, it adds to that spookiness, I guess. A bit dramatic, mm. you think? Just a tad dramatic? So he, he also goes on to say that, you know, it's not possessed by a human spirit. It's impossible for the spirit of a young girl to inhabit an inanimate object, but rather it's a demonic entity. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember seeing them moving the Annabelle doll. They had to move it from one side of the room to the other. I have no idea why. But it made good YouTube viewing as you saw oh, them that go was in. A, yeah, that was a, a live. Their, yes. That was a live. Yes. I, I watched that scene. And there they, you go. They, I watched they it. They had their holy water at the ready yeah. and their rosary yeah. beads and everything. Yeah. And look, honestly, guys, this is very much. It's Hollywood. Uh, it's yeah, Hollywood it all over. But still, My I watched. Oh, oh yeah. Because I wanted something to happen. <laughs> I was ready for it. Just because I. I want to give the opportunity for this to be real, Mm. but it's heavily biased through the the blinkered vision of their religious beliefs and they've made this huge dramatic story from this doll. But let let me just keep going with another little bit of a story here. So I've got another story from somebody who met Annabelle. And this is a great story. I'm just going to read it. On a warm Saturday night in June, a couple of hundred people gathered in the parking lot of an Italian restaurant in Monroe called Roberto's. They were patiently waiting to be checked in for an evening with Annabelle, which consists of lectures, videos, buffet dinner, and later an acoustic improvisation of Sloop John B., of what? <laughs> That's, that name has come up a couple of times in the last couple of weeks. It's really weird. The Beach Boys. Da, oh, okay, da, da, yes. Da, da, yep, da, yep, da. right. Anyway, it. everyone in line had to sign a waiver before entering. Mm-hmm. Let's just sort of bring up the anxiety for everyone that's going in, Mm -hmm. absolving the hosts from any liability or traumatic influence associated with viewing the items or being in the presence of Annabelle. Right. But this did not deter eager patrons from making jokes about the lady we're about to meet. She's going to be furious if you go in there with a phone on, the guy in line behind me said to his friend. Luckily for my sanity, Annabelle did not do anything scary while I was in her presence, though I did see a moth flutter by her case at one point. Mm-hmm. And later, oh, I'm sure it was a demonic moth. While listening to a recording of the interview, I heard a horrible growl on the tape that was probably my stomach, but let's be real, it was a demon. I also kept seeing my own movements reflected in the glass and thinking she was coming for me. <laughs> <laughs> Being inside the museum also left a musty smell in my hair that I didn't notice until later when I was back at home watching Curb Your Enthusiasm. Maybe not coincidentally, the one about the doll. Uh-huh. <sighs> Annabelle was quite at the Roberto's too, resting under a velvet blanket for much of the evening. Despite the fact that she's extremely haunted and dangerous, everyone I talked to was excited to see her. I would be too. Mm-hmm. I'd like to lay eyes and see mm-hmm. if I felt anything. Mm-hmm. One friendly woman at my table had flown all the way from Georgia and brought a new dress for the occasion, <laughs> as you do, to meet a haunted doll. She'd already purchased a copy, a $20 copy of The Demonologist, which is all about Ed and Lorraine's uh, career, and was planning to buy a bracelet with the pieces made of Lorraine's jewellery, proceeds going to a charity. And she told me she'd spent the night in a haunted insane asylum in West Virginia, which we were meant to go to, (laughs) and claimed that it would make a sceptic believe. Mm -hmm. So you're going to be getting people to these events that believe, Mm -hmm. wholeheartedly believe. So apparently Tony hosts these Annabelle events in town because their house is not licensed for commercial use, which is why the museum has now been shut down mm-hmm. because they have to find a new home for it because people were complaining that, you know, yes. yep. 50,000 million. So he declined to comment on other financial specifics, save to say that Ed and Lorraine and now Tony never charge for an investigation, but do accept reimbursements for travel and food expenses for more long distant journeys. Oh, that's a bugbear in the paranormal field, isn't it? About charging for paranormal investigations and helping people. But that's another whole conversation. That's another episode, yeah. Uh, so the, the Warrens wrote several books about their experiences and at the evening with Annabelle there was lots of merchandise to buy, including the New England Society for Psychical Research, hats and dog tags. But what you've got to remember, that's $75 a head and they're lining up with a couple of hundred people 
to go into these events and they're running these events regularly, or they were before COVID. So was there something to gain for them? Obviously. 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 And we've seen Annabelle also appear on Ghost Adventures. Mm -hmm. If I remember, Zach had to touch her. And it was funny because he's in the dark and you see him just snatch his hand really quickly and touch the doll as if he was going to get electrocuted. Did he get possessed afterwards? I can't remember. He does like to get possessed, does Zach? (laughs) So really this whole case comes down to the stories originally told by Donna, Angie and Lou, which were recorded by the Warrens, presented to the rest of the world through their eyes. This was also at the time where... Satanic Panic. Satanic Panic, and there was the doll movies coming out. Mm -hmm. Robert the Doll was well known. Mm -hmm. There was the whole Chucky Mm -hmm. thing, which you can see on Ghost Hunters React, episode one. And people all of a sudden started to look at clowns and dolls in a very different way. That's true. They had been toys and beloved objects up until that time and all of a sudden, according to television, they can become the vessels for spirits and demons. So all it takes is for someone to plant the idea that something is haunted or has a bad feel to it for you to then start looking at it a different way and you start to feed the energy into it in a different way. And whether it's your imagination that this thing is creating negative energy or whether you are putting that energy into the item and creating it yourself, you know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? I don't know. It's This whole thing to me, once again, a bit like Amateurville, has been told through the eyes of heavy religious bias. Mm. You've got to remember too, you've got people who are well known to the public by that stage, Ed and Lorraine Warren. And there's an expectation, isn't and there? And they are telling this story faithfully and in most cases people have no reason not to believe them because they are, in the end, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yeah. And so you would assume that someone who has that type of a, a title in a community and has written several books and has done what they both did, that they would be very much sincere about this particular story. Mm. I guess the thing that I felt really challenged about was the fact that there was no information anywhere online that I could find that told me the truth or told me anything beyond that personal story. There's no alternatives apart from some contradictions of stories. Yeah. There was nothing there that you could go into, into notes, any sort of evidence, pieces of evidence that, you know, could say to you that this happened then and then this happened then and we have this piece of evidence or whatever. That becomes then really difficult because you are just left with the story that is sitting there that could have been changed a thousand times since when it was originally told. I mean, one of the things that the studios said when they were doing The Conjuring was that the owners never really tried to throw the doll away because it had never gotten that bad. No. It had never gotten that bad. When Ed and Lorraine Warren came, they said, we'll take the doll from you, allegedly, but they had never tried to get rid of the doll. And how much money have they made on Annabelle the doll since then? Who owns the the intellectual property of Annabelle the doll? Is it the Warrens that own it or is it Donna and Angie and Lou? They would have given up all rights when the doll was taken from them, I'd say, very happily. Hmm. Go on, yeah, get rid of it. I don't care. Would I mean, would you have even imagined that anything like that would happen from that incident that there would be in the next 20-odd years or 30 years, movie after movie after movie, yeah. made from a Raggedy Ann doll? Yeah, close to 50 years, actually, just to make of, us feel really yeah, old. Of, co- of course <laughs> you wouldn't. You wouldn't think that, you know, it was anywhere near serious enough for that. So they would have just said, yeah, look, whatever, take the doll. We don't care. Just get it out and be done with it. So, Renata, 
No. Is this a true haunting? (laughs) Don't even ask me. I would say from the evidence that I have seen or from the information that I have seen or lack thereof and because I don't have anything else at hand and I am so willing to change my mind here. Mm, so me too. Th- there's nothing set in stone with regard to any of these episodes. If someone can provide me a piece of information that helps me change my mind, I am so willing oh, and open to do so. Please send it to us. But at this stage I would have to say that Annabelle is one big furphy. It is not a true haunting. I would like to join you in that statement. I I think that Lloyd summed it up nicely. This has not been looked at through the eyes of parapsychology, but rather religious bias and that it's a mountain out of a molehill. And no, I do not think Annabelle the doll is haunted. Now, my next question is, would you touch her? I'd touch her, I'd take her out of the cabin and I'd give her a nice big hug. Damn it, that's what I was going to say. And I would take the dust off her hair and I would love her again and go, come home with me and I'll look after you. (laughs) And in saying that, I I now have a Annabelle doll sitting in my car waiting to go home with me. She's waiting for your love, Renata. (laughs) So after saying all of those things, I might have some scratches in the morning that I have to report. Arik might need to explain himself. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, gosh. I might just keep her in the box for a little while longer. But if you're going to come on to any of our tours, you'll be seeing Annabelle. Oh, nice. We'll be and her. our very own Gertie. Of course. Yes, Gertie is still the, the matriarch of the family. Mm-hmm. So, look, thank you, everyone, for joining us on this episode of True Hauntings. Don't forget, we now have the YouTube companion series. So look for Anne and Renata on YouTube and you will find some nice little 10, 12 minute videos, a bit of a summary of each of these episodes. And also we have our Ghost Hunters React on YouTube. Make sure you have subscribed to us. Make sure you have liked us. Make sure you follow us so we can keep doing all this fabulous stuff that we enjoy doing too. Thank you so much for being with us. And see you on the dark side. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube.